read from Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the gospel, the good news, which is all about your Son, Christ Jesus, our Saviour and Lord. But it's also there to, yes, not only to save us, to bring us to a saving knowledge of you, but it's also there to strengthen our faith and to help us walk boldly and courageously with you in this perverse world. And help us, Father, help us now to listen, help me to be clear, and help us to apply what your word has to say to our hearts. Father, help us to be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude ourselves. So, Father, thank you now for this, this wonderful passage where once again we can look at Paul's love for people and his love for you as well. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what I would like for us to look at this morning, is our love for people. I want to continue with that. A while ago, I think it was in in, in the beginning of March, we looked at Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41, and we looked at two things that showed Paul's love for people, and that he had a caring heart, and that he had an encouraging heart. And then in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 5, we looked at another two facts that showed Paul's love for people, and that was he had a serving heart, and he had a faithful heart. And this morning I want to continue with Love for People, part 3, and continue to look at two other facts that showed up in Paul's heart, that he had a love for people. A big question is, do we have a love for people? Especially our brothers and sisters in Christ here in our own church. Do we have a love for all walks of life in our church? Because Christ Jesus came to break down every barrier, every dividing wall, and bring us into one new man in his body. And we're one in Christ. We're not our own. And so this morning, I'm just going to, like I said, look at another two qualities that showed up in Paul's heart that he had a love for people that was expressed into the lives of people. Someone said this about Paul. No man on earth had a warmer and more devoted heart than the Apostle Paul. Love was the impulse of his whole life and ministry as Christ's Apostle. And we see that if, you, if you're reading Paul's letters, and we'll see as we work through the rest of the book of Acts, that Paul had a love not just for the saved, he also had a love for the unsaved. Scripture tells us that for the saved, 
he himself wrote, there is a daily pressure on me, on my anxiety for all the churches. Paul's biggest concern was for the churches. That's why on the second missionary journey, they, they started in Antioch in Syria and they worked their way to um, Derby, Iconium, etc. Because on the first missionary journey, they planted churches there. Now he was concerned for their growth, for the false teaching that might be going on. And his love flowed out into discipling them. And then he also had a love for the unsaved. He wrote, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And as he moves across to Troas and into, um, into Philippi and to, to, to um, Athens and Berea, we see Paul's love for the unsaved. I think it must have been extremely hard going into this dark world with the light, knowing you're going to suffer, knowing you might not come out alive, knowing you will be persecuted. Because if they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute us. And Paul wrote to Timothy, if you live godly lives, you will be persecuted. And here we, we're talking of biblical love, not talking about sentimental love. If we truly love, that means we, it will show we have a humble heart. Someone said only those who are humble can show love. And we all can love. But how are we growing in our love for one another? How am I growing in my love for you? And then outside in this community. And it's a good, it's a good reality to, to, to take a reality check on our hearts and see where our love is. Because if, you, if we profess to be a Christian, and that's all we profess, and we sit around and do nothing, there's no action, no works, then your faith is dead. Listen to James's words. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but not, does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is purely clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Love is hard. We need each other and encourage each other to keep loving. Keep patting, you must stop patting people on the back and I'll pray for you. All things will go well. We need to make a sacrificial love towards those people and help them. There will be a time and a place to pat someone on the back. But if that is all we see ourselves doing, then we must question our hearts and examine our hearts. Because Paul's faith was not dead. He was fulfilling the royal law according to Scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul himself wrote, but only faith working through love is true faith. Love flows from a humble heart. It seeks the comfort and joy of others. Isn't that what Philippians chapter 2 was telling us? Do not be vain, conceited, and think more highly of ourselves, but be humble and think of others. Be otherly. So once again, we gain into this book of Acts 
this beautiful, beautiful book of history where we see God's love for his people and we see his disciples' love for him. How they faithfully fulfill their mm-hmm. task, their responsibility that Jesus said, go and be witnesses of my works and my words and go tell the people about me. And so we see this. And we're going to see this now in Acts chapter 15, which we started at verse 36 with Paul's second missionary journey, which goes on to verse 22 of Acts chapter 18. And we'll see Paul's love worked out into the lives of people. And we know that Paul will go and he'll witness to the unsaved and they will go and also disciple in Christ's name the saved taking the gospel of Christ to the different cities in the Greek provinces of Macedonia, Achaia, including Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. Just a quick history. First missionary journey took one and a half years, covering 2,000 kilometers. Land, 1,340, and on sea, 660 kilometers. And that was in AD 46 to 47. That was Paul's first missionary journey. Second missionary journey takes two and a half to three years, covering 4,346 kilometers on land, 2,270 kilometers. They could not get into a 4x4, they could not fly, they walked or rode on a donkey. And by sea, 2,076 kilometers, and this happened in AD 48 to 51. And here we see a man who's passionate and on fire for the glory of God and Christ Jesus. So hopefully this morning, as we now look at Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10, hopefully this will encourage us and help us to love people. If we struggle to love people, take it to prayer. Ask the Father to grow your heart, to to open that inner eye, that, that inner man, So that when you read the word, it can be saturated into your mind by flowing to your heart and flow out into the lives of people through your works or your words. Do we do this perfectly? No. Is God looking for perfection? No. He's just looking for ordinary people serving him and making an impact and an influence in the lives of people for his glory. And God works through our imperfections. He's not looking for perfect people. But he's looking for servants that are willing to go and, and, and do this. So the first quality to see how our love for people is, well, we're going to look at Acts chapter 16, verses 68, and we see there Paul had an obedient heart. How is our obedience towards Christ and his word and his church? Because we are saved into an obedience of faith. And the obedience of faith, some of us probably were morally upright, some of us were probably doing good things and we were obedient, but now when we are saved into an obedience of faith, it is how are we working out that obedience according to the scriptures? Not according to how you were doing before, your manners were high, you were morally upright. It's about being godly now. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 5, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. 
for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So how is our obedience? Is it growing? Is it not growing? Because if you want to know how your obedience is, look at your fruit of the Spirit. Are you bearing fruits of the Spirit? How's your love, your joy, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your self-control? And the other one is that you will live in obedient submission to God and His Word. But our first point, Paul had an obedient heart. And it's something that we need to know is important. It's important that we understand that God has called us and saved us into an obedience of faith. We're not our own. We're bought with the precious blood of Christ. We belong to God. Jesus asked this sobering question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Like I said, we may profess faith in Jesus Christ, yet live a completely disobedient life to his word. But then we need to be gentle and loving and caring, not judge people, but come alongside these people and help them and build them up and, and help them to fix their eyes back on Christ Jesus. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, we could do and be doing the same. I think what the church needs drastically today is to start loving one another. The world's crying out for love and order and compassion and kindness and tenderness and goodness and for honest people, sincere people. But you go out there and, and people just lie and, and are corrupt. They say one thing but they deliver another thing. No one's yes is yes and no is no. The yes is yes, but then they go and do something completely different. We are saved into an obedience of faith. And yeah, we see in Acts chapter 16, verses 68, we see Paul's love in his obedience to the call of God, the Holy Spirit. In verses 6 to 10, you notice that, and we read there, that the Holy Spirit did not allow them to go and preach the word in Asia. And then also the Spirit of Jesus, which is also the Holy Spirit, did not allow them to go and preach when they got to um, Mysia. It would not allow them to go into Bithynia. I mean, think about it. Paul and his team, his companions, before they went on this missionary journey, if we go back to Acts chapter 15, they were commended by their brothers to the grace of the Lord and they were sent by the church. Just think how much time they would have spent praying about this missionary journey, committing everything to God and telling God their plans. And if the Lord wills, this is their plan. They want to go into Galatia, into to, to the northern part. But now they come and as they travel, with excitement, knowing that they're going to take the gospel to Asia Minor, God has other plans for them. 
They were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia and entering Bithynia. But what's also encouraging here, and I'm just reading around with some commentaries and, and learning from other great men, is that when you see that the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them, yes, it's also talking about the Holy Spirit, but what's so encouraging that there, it's telling you, Jesus is alive. And he's seated on the throne where he's interceding for you, where he's working for you. And how encouraging that should be, that no, Jesus is alive. And where do we see Jesus doing that? When Stephen was being stoned. He saw him standing, praying for him. And it's encouraging to know that Jesus, from his exalted position, where he ascends to and is enthroned as the Messiah, he, con he continues to take an active role in his church in history. Jesus is alive. That's what we celebrate over, Jesus, over Easter. The crucifixion and the resurrection. Our God is the only true living God because He is alive. And from His enthroned position, Jesus continues to direct the progress of the gospel through His Spirit. And I will say this, and I will say this sensitively, if we are not taking the gospel of Christ, Jesus' words, and Jesus' words to tell people about the gospel, what are we taking? Because how can Jesus work? If we're taking something else. How can the Holy Spirit testify about Jesus if we're taking something else? Because this is what Paul took when he went and met with the ladies at the river praying with Lydia and them. He took the gospel. He preached the gospel to them. The word. And, and we need to be encouraged to not become disappointed or discouraged when we have been planning for something and we've been committing this plan to God and if the Lord wills for this plan to happen and God has other ideas. Don't become discouraged or despondent. But the sad thing is we, we do become despondent and discouraged. We are, we, are, we are at times trying to, to lean on our own understanding and trying to be wise in our own understanding. And instead of God taking the lead, Him and His Word, we sometimes want to run ahead. And when things don't happen, we kind of then ask the question, why didn't it happen? It's because we, we ran too far. We pushed God aside. And then we want to sit down and, and instead of living blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation um, among whom we shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, we end up grumbling and complaining. We must learn to trust in our sovereign God through the disappointments in life and keep shining through them. Is it easy? No. But we have God's grace, we have His Word, and we have each other to encourage and help each other. That's how we've got from March to now, through lockdown. Who's got us through? Not me, not you. But by the grace of God, we've endured. By His Word, 
we've endured. And Paul practices what he preaches. Yeah, he doesn't sit and grumble. He, he, he practices what he writes. We live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep trusting the Holy Spirit. He knows what he's doing. He's all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful. He sees far ahead than what we can see. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. When we trust God, we entrust Him with our lives and our plans. Paul and, and his companions, they trust God. So we must ask ourselves, how obedient is our heart? Is it shown in our love for people? Paul's love for people was seen in his obedient heart. It's an obedient heart that responds out of pure love for one's master. And we have a faithful master. The second quality to see how our love for people is, well, Paul had a submissive heart. We see this now in Acts chapter 16, verses 9 to 10. A Christian who loves people will have a submissive heart. What does being submissive mean? What does it mean to be submissive? Well, it means giving up our rights to be controlled by another. To heal to someone or submit to someone, that someone is usually in authority. And we have someone in authority, and that person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's to Him we submit. Why do we submit to Him? Because He told His disciples once, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we cannot trust Him. Because when God saved us, our bodies became a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within us, whom we have from God. We're not our own. We were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And being submissive to God and His Word and to His teaching and His leading shows that we have Him in our heart and we are glorifying Him in our bodies. That's the only way we can glorify God in our bodies. He's on the one hand obeying Him, but on the other hand being submissive. It's Lordship salvation. We submit to everything that Christ teaches us and helps us to live for His honour and glory. Paul practices what he wrote. Like I said, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's a submissive heart. That is... That is that is trusting God. You know, team, this is where we plan to go. This is where we pray to God. And we know, we all knew, because we committed to the Lord, the church has sent us, but now somehow God has changed their plans. God can also test us to see if we're going to trust Him or we're going to disobey Him. They didn't throw the towel in. They trusted the Holy Spirit to open up another door. The doors that he was closing, the doors that he had blocked, they knew that the Holy Spirit would open up another door. And they didn't give up. And so as they, as they continued, 
they went down, or basically, so passing by Amicia, they went down to Troas. And then in verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul. To come over to Macedonia. Now, we need to be sensitive to, to visions. Someone said we should conclude that this is an unusual form of divine guidance. We should not expect the regular guidance of visions in our everyday decision making. What did they have in going into these dark places? They had the Torah, the Old Testament scriptures, and they had God himself with them. We have a complete revelation today. We have God's complete word. We have the Old Testament scriptures and we have the New Testament scriptures. And God has shown us from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation how we can, how we can trust Him with our lives, with our plans. I'll be honest with you. When Robertson Reformed Community Church called me in 2010, in March, I didn't seek anything, a vision or a dream. I knew in my heart, because I'd been praying about it since 2004, 2005, if God would allow me to be in this church. But he closed the door. They called another pastor. There was disappointment. But I kept on trusting the Lord to one day open up another door somewhere else, thinking that this door was now shut. But God, in his mysterious way, worked things out. And here I am. But I did not seek a vision or a sign. I trusted the scriptures. I knew that the scriptures were sufficient to lead me and my family to where I was going. I seek God's will in the scriptures. The same person says that, someone said, looking at the vision, we should be encouraged by Luke's narrative to believe in God's sovereign overruling and intervention intervention to direct the progress of his word and his people where necessary and the same person goes on to say whether god's direction comes through circumstances through prophetic insight or through a vision god's people will need to reflect together on the guidance they receive they will need to relate what is perceived to be the specific will of god in a given situation to the general will of god revealed in the passages of scripture and this is exactly what paul and his companions do and when paul had seen the vision immediately we sought to go into macedonia so the next morning he would have discussed this with his teams and they were prayed about it for clarity and understanding and off they went they they sought to go into macedonia concluding that god had called them to preach the gospel there because Paul was called. In Acts chapter 26 we read to preach the gospel to open the eyes of the unsaved that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins to receive eternal life. That is the one thing we should want with our unsaved family and friends. 
For us to live faithfully, obediently, and submissively before God because we want them to see the gospel lived out in our own lives so as we witness it into their lives that it becomes stronger but we know that salvation is unto the Lord. But it makes our witness a lot more clearer and stronger and more credible if we are living what we talk about. There's no point talking about how much you love Jesus Christ and the next minute you're doing something opposite to what the gospel teaches us. And let, let, let this passage, it's amazing that when people come to this passage and they read about visions, now they get caught up in visions. That's not what it's teaching us. It's teaching us that God is sovereign over our lives and He's the one that will come into our lives and redirect our lives where He wants us to be. These, these, these disciples did not have anything but the Holy Spirit living in them to guide them and direct them. And they were obedient to God's calling and submissive to God's calling. Because they knew the responsibility that comes with listening to God and following Him His way, doing His work His way. It's calling the churches back to doing things Jesus' way. And how often we are doing things our way, mixed up with Jesus. It should be Jesus' way alone, and we should trust Jesus with how we teach the Scriptures. It's taking God's Word and letting it loose so the Holy Spirit can do His work in our hearts. That is my responsibility. My responsibility is not to save anybody. My responsibility is to, is to preach the Gospel. And God will decide to save whom he will or not. And we see that when it comes to Lydia and the rest. It's beautiful to see Paul and his companions are faithful they are to, to preaching the gospel and what God does with that faithfulness. There's some, there's some great missionary men. Livingston, he tried to go to China. He prayed to go to China. He wanted to go to China. I don't think he would want to go there today with this virus. But he prayed, and but God sent him to Africa instead. Did he throw the towel in? Did he become disappointed? No. Another great missionary, Kerry, he wanted to go to Polynesia in the South Sea, but God guided him to India. And there was Judson. He wanted to go to India first, but was driven on to Burma. There's a lot of things we want to do, but are we willing to submit to God's calling and be obedient to God's calling? And we have each other to help each other if we get into a situation. I know with Chris, he wanted to be a missionary. So when he came and told me that he's been called to South Sudan, it wasn't, okay, Chris, go and seek the Lord, go now and find out if that God's will for you. From the day I sat down with him at coffee, he, his heart was for missions. And I knew that this one day he's going to be taken from this church and be put somewhere in the world to be a missionary. That was his heart. That's what he spoke about. And was it hard? He had to go resign from teaching at the school. He was worried about that. God opened up that door. And God opened up the door for him to be there. He knew. He didn't go seeking for things. 
He seeked wisdom and advice from wise counselors. That's what he seeked. That's what we should all seek. It's dangerous to seek anything out of sight of Scripture. What for? I don't know. It's misleading. It's dangerous. I rather trust the sufficiency of Scripture for my life than anything outside of the gospel. Because I don't know what the future holds. But I know who holds the future. That is God. And it's easy? No, it's hard. That's why we pray. So these two qualities that we've looked at this morning from Paul's life in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10, to see how our love for people is. And is it, is it an obedient heart? Is it a submissive heart? And if you've looked at these, do we have a love for people? If we do have a love for people, will we cultivate this love so it will grow more? Our obedience will grow more and our submissiveness, submitting to God's will, word, will grow more. But if we don't have this love for people, if, if, you've been, if you see, no Mark, I don't have this love for people, then all you need to do is fix your eyes on the cross. Cry out to God in repentance. Look to the cross. Because God never said, I love you, and pat us on the back and say, go out there now and do it. No. How did he show us his love? He demonstrated his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on the cross. Because God knows we need his love in our hearts, which was put into the hearts, our hearts through the working of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, to help us love. Yes, we can all love. We all love in different ways, but are we loving sacrificially God's way? That's a beautiful thing. God doesn't tell us how much He loves us. He proves it. And He proves it on the cross where Jesus gave Himself for us. Because we know we deserve death. We deserve, we deserve to die. God's love that has been poured into our hearts helps us to be now a doer and that is of loving the people that God brings across our paths through our daily lives. And it, is it easy? No. It's God's grace we need. Let's pray. Father, forgive me as the pastor of this church because I do not love always like you've called me to love. There are times, Father, when I grumble and complain. But forgive me. And forgive us all, Father. May we all take a, a good look at our own hearts and to see if there is obedience in our heart, is there a submissive, submissiveness in our hearts? Is there love in our hearts? Are we loving the people according to your way? Father, please search our hearts. Search our hearts and teach us your truth. Open up our eyes that we may behold wonderful, wonderful things from your word. Turn our eyes from looking at all this vanity and revive us in your word, Father. Forgive us. But help us to start today loving, Father, with an obedient and submissive heart. Help us to embrace the love that you shared with us. You loved us. We love because you loved us first. And you showed that love on the cross. There you demonstrated that love for us. 
And love is the fruit of the Spirit, Father, and you've given us the Scriptures to cultivate that love, to grow it, so we're able to love according to your Word, not perfectly, but at least love to bring you glory and honor. So forgive us, Father, if we don't find ourselves doing this. Be merciful to us, but help us. Turn our eyes away from whatever controls us and help us to fix them on Jesus, who's seated next to the right hand of you, Father, where he intercedes for us and where he can help us. He's given us his spirit to cultivate this love in our hearts. Help us, Father. Please be merciful to us as a church and individually as Christians. This will be a challenge, but we know we can be encouraged by your word and show that love in the lives of people. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.